The text for the sermon this day is taken from Luke chapter 10, which was read earlier. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The parable of the Good Samaritan is probably one of the best-known parables there are. In fact, it is such a familiar parable that there are even laws in some towns that are known as Good Samaritan laws. Where if you see somebody in trouble, and you, if you see someone getting robbed or mugged or whatever, and you don't call the police or some other action, you can actually be charged as being guilty of breaking the Good Samaritan law. In fact, the very last episode of the show Seinfeld, if any of you have ever seen it, is all about how Seinfeld and his friends all became, found themselves guilty of that very crime. I bring that up just to show how familiar the Good Samaritan parable is. But the thing is, as much as people know of it, the meaning of the parable is quite often missed. The point of what Jesus is telling is very often overlooked. To understand a parable, you have to look at the context. Now, you've got to look what is going on, what set up this parable. Why is Jesus teaching it? The reason is, is because a teacher of the law came to him and said, asked, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? To which this lawyer answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. The man is kind of what has some knowledge and wisdom and realize that he does not keep that. So he thought he could justify himself by simply asking, who is my neighbor? (coughs) (coughs) Now the surface answer might be just to say, well, everyone is my neighbor. And that's true. But when Jesus tells this parable... He reminds them what that means to say everyone. Because you have this man that is mugged, he's beaten, he's stripped naked, he's lying on the ditch on the side of the road, and two people pass him by, a Levite and a priest. What you have to understand contextually, the reason why the Levite and the priest did not stop and help it's because they are very likely on the way to temple. They're on the way to conduct services. And under the ceremonial laws, if they had stopped to help the man, they would have been declared unclean and unable to conduct the services. So in the minds of the priest and the Levite, they, were, they couldn't 
stop and help him. And so it's a Samaritan that stops and helps. Samaritans are the enemies of the Jews in this time. That is where it's significant. Because as Jesus said, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. The Samaritan. Your enemy. So it's a reminder that when we say that you are to love your neighbor as yourself, and we say that that's everyone, that includes your enemies. On a global scale, you could think maybe that could include our, our politicians running for president, Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. <coughs> How many of you can honestly say that when you watch the news every time that you have good and happy thoughts when you hear something come out of the mouth of our politicians? How many of you find yourselves not just grumbling after you say, they say, but actually kind of start to have a little bit of an Ill, feel, Ill attitude towards the person? This includes even things on even a larger global scale, like ISIS. That we are to love ISIS, the members of ISIS that is, as much as you love yourself. Bring it even, but bring it closer to home. Think of that person who has broken your heart, who has betrayed you. That person that just rubs you wrong no matter what, every time you come across them, it just does not go well. You just like you see them walk in the door, you're like, oh, that person. Do we hopefully it's nobody in your family or anything, but hopefully it's not too many, anybody too close. Believe it or not, pastors have that experience. Don't worry, it's none of you guys. But pastors have those people where we see them like, oh, that guy. We all have and we are called to love even that person as much as we love ourselves. That's what Jesus is telling him. And so he's telling him, if you do that, if you love your enemy and every neighbor as much as you love yourself, then you can inherit eternal life. If that man is wise, he's sitting there saying, well, I failed. That's the surface level of what Jesus is telling him. Jesus is convicting this man. Because his very first question was, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Which, by the way, is kind of an ironic thing 
You know you don't have to do anything to inherit something? You don't, your inheritance is not based upon what you earned, you did. It's given as a gift. It's passed on to you. The man, the lawyer doesn't catch the irony in that. But he asks it nonetheless, what shall I do? And Jesus humors him and tells him exactly what he shall do, he must do. And this lawyer very well realizes, and we should very well realize, that we don't do this. We fail at this over and over. And as, as it says elsewhere in Scripture, if you have kept the entire law except once, you are guilty of breaking it all. If we've broken the law even once, we are subject to God's wrath. We are destined, we are subject to his punishment. But see, in this parable, Jesus is actually giving, saying something else. There's another layer to what he is telling. <coughs> because the problem is, is so often when we read this parable, the, temp the temptation is to look at, uh, look at the Good Samaritan and say, ah, we need to be like the Good Samaritan. That's the point of this parable. Which there's some truth to that. But Jesus is actually giving the answer to how we are saved. But the problem is, to understand the parable, you have to realize that you're not the good Samaritan. You are the man that is beaten and stripped on the side of the road. You are the one that was beaten by sin, death, and the devil. The fact that, you know, right now I'm carrying this little sickness here, just an evidence of the brokenness of this world. This is a small thing. Many, you, many of you know how much greater that sickness is. How much greater the weakness and brokenness of this world. We are the ones that are beaten and broken on the side of the road. The Good Samaritan is our enemy. Jesus. See, while we were still sinners, while we were enemies of God, he sent his son to come and redeem us, to die on the cross for you. See, while we're beaten, naked, helpless, the priest and the the priests and the Levites who represent the old law. The law cannot save you. That's why Jesus includes them. To let you know the reason they didn't stop is because they couldn't. The law cannot save. The law only condemns. It always condemns. 
the only one that could save us is God's only son who picked us up and he led us he picked us up and carried us on his back in the form of a cross and he paid the full wages but unlike the good Samaritan in the parable he did not pay with silver or gold but with his very own precious blood and he paid that payment that you received in baptism. You know, we, we don't say that I was baptized. We say that I am baptized. Baptism is not a one-time event. It is your entire life. So when you were baptized, that was when you were the broken, helpless, beaten and actually, in ancient, I don't know if you know this, in the early church, you actually were naked at your baptism. That's the way they used to do it. Even if you were a full-grown adult, you, were, you just came in, nothing on, and they dug you into the, into the baptismal font. A lot of times, <coughs> it almost looked like a kind of a jacuzzi type thing. So a big thing of water, they dunk you in, and this is actually where deaconesses came from. The whole reason was because if you had a woman being baptized, the priest couldn't really do it, so they had the deaconess take care of it. And so, and what, as soon as you were baptized, they would give you a white robe, and they clothe you with it. And so, whether you're an infant or an adult, that's how they did it. Because that is symbolizing what happens in baptism. That you who are beaten, stripped, and naked are healed, clothed with the righteousness of Jesus. And as with the Good Samaritan, he pays, he pays more than is needed. When he goes to the innkeeper, he says, he gives, him, he gives him two denarii, and he says to him, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. So in other words, when you were baptized, he wiped away every sin that you have ever committed. And when you sin again, He's paying for that as well. He keeps paying. And he'll cover every bit of it. See, that's what this parable is ultimately about. The question, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Nothing. You can do nothing to inherit eternal life. Rather, the good Samaritan, our good Lord, who is Jesus Christ, he gives it to you as a gift, free, bought one by his death on the cross. That is how you inherit eternal life. A gift. Therefore, 
We look at that parable. Hopefully you look and see Jesus every time you read it. And also see that this, if this is how Jesus has loved me, that he did help me when I was beaten, when I was helpless. This compels us to go and do likewise. Just as Christ has loved us, we are to love others, even our worst of enemies. And every time we fail, we go back, we confess our sins, and we receive forgiveness. Because as he said, whatever more you spend, I will repay, repay you when I come back. He will keep paying. There's never a point you say, can I sin too much? You know, just say, well, you know, I've been really bad. I probably exhausted my account with Jesus. You can never exhaust that account. It's completely covered. Every last bit of it. And for that reason, we have eternity. We have hope beyond hope. So go forth. Like the Good Samaritan, show mercy, show love, show compassion. Because that is what Christ has done for you. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Keep you in the one true faith and a life everlasting. Amen. Please stand as we sing the Te Deum.